And then they open the floodgates and lower the interest rates again. And it's like, there's only so many times you can do that in the sense that we now have like a high level of inflation. Like everyone, even in the US is feeling the heat. Um, and that's because they pumped the system with trillions of dollars. Uh, they said they were going to keep the interest rates low for a long time and then did one of the fastest hikes ever to catch everyone with their freaking pants down. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. All right, guys. We're officially recording, Dan. Take it away. Yo, today we're talking to Ben. Ben goes by New Zealand Hoddle on Twitter. And uh, I've been kind of interacting with Ben a little bit on online, on Telegram, whatever, for, I don't know, several months now. I don't know if it's been a year. But anyways, like we talk about software engineering. Ben was learning to code. He's got, Now he's a professional engineer. Uh, just kind of like talking about Bitcoin, talking about life skills and, you know, what people do just kind of trying to improve their lives, trying to grow in Bitcoin in their profession. And this is kind of how we met on there. Um, so Ben, how's it going, man? What's, what's, what's up with you? Good brother. It's going well. Um, thanks for having me on and what's going on with me. Uh, yeah, just started <clears throat> a new role. Um, so really excited about that i wouldn't say professional engineer just yet still very much a, a junior um but yeah man it's it's a it's a great thing to learn how to verify things in the digital age what did you ben what did you do before you kind of made this transition to your new role i mean is this is, this, is your new role bitcoin related yeah it is okay um, yeah what are you doing um, so i'm like head of customer growth or like service and then like, like there's the marketing in that as well um but i mainly focus at the moment like on educational content helping people with hardware wallets nodes um miners if they're in a good spot um but then also like the wider like why you you know why money is important what it is why bitcoin is important what it is um so basically, I just like my job is to orange pill people. It's either to help build a good product or it's to help people use it and interact with it. What is yeah. the what is the name of this uh, company or this uh, organization? It's the Amber App. And, oh, okay. I'm familiar with Amber App. Yeah. Uh, and how did you how did you get that role? Who did you, you know? Did you meet somebody at a conference? Was it through uh, uh, social media? Like you met other people like me. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of funny. I had just been, um, you know, moving on because they didn't have a junior, uh, developer role open for me. And so I was about to go start that journey elsewhere. Um, and then they, I get a call and there's like a, a new CEO in town and, uh, he saw one of my posts where I said I had just created an LLC and was building my own thing um which i was excited about and then he's like oh cool what are you doing and i just said oh started explaining it a little to him uh and then just said how can i help like what are you doing uh and then he's like uh got on my dms and was like oh i've just 
become the CEO of this uh, Bitcoin company. Um, and I was like, interesting. It wouldn't happen to be, you know, the Amber app, would it? And he's like, yeah. And so then we had this conversation and it just kind of got the ball rolling from there in terms of like me um, leaving the company was just aware of some of like the things that could potentially be done differently. Um, and then him obviously providing new direction. Um, it was just a good, you know, a good combo for both of us. So that's how I kind of like serendipitously came to this job. Interesting. So how, uh, what did you do before you, or I guess, when did you get into Bitcoin? And then what did you kind of, what was your, what was your before life before you got Orange Build? And when was that roughly? <laughs> sure. Um, my background was sort of managing bars. I did, you know, manage sales team um, and did various work, just kind of traveling for younger years too. So it's kind of like this mixture. Um, and then in 20, end of 2016, start of 2017, um, I was working on a farm of all things. And I was doing just like a traveling job where you do that in Australia um, and you earn good money and you're just kind of out on a farm learning how to do all these things. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I, I started that rabbit hole like many did, um, kind of looked at it as a, a financial perspective as well as like this changes things, you know what I mean? In terms of like money creation and distribution. But how did you get there? Like, um, it seems it's it's like what was important for you to sort of cling on to that okay um i kind of knew that there was like you know a few things that weren't right you know when you just intuitively know but can't quite put your finger on it um and so my mom is part moldy um which is like the indigenous for new zealand i guess you'd say um, and then my dad is, you know, I guess you'd say like the, from the European descent. And so he was a cop and private investigator. She was, um, she got her, um, doctorate in peace treaties and indigenous studies. So like very polar opposites. Um, and so that kind of always led me to learning, uh, a perspective, um, of the current you know, governance model and, and financial system that you wouldn't otherwise have in terms of like, it is kind of colonial in nature. And that's kind of what Alex Gladstein has recently depicted as well. Okay, that was going to be maybe my next question here. Uh, and maybe it's, maybe you touched on it when you said colonial. Um, I, I work with, or we work with several people from New Zealand. Um, I've met and I interact with a ton of people on online who are from New Zealand. It seems like for such a small, I guess, isolated or far, far off country, it's a disproportionate amount of people. It seems like are in the space and it's, I'm wondering, but some of the people I talk to say that, you know, the quote unquote normies in New Zealand don't really take to Bitcoin really uh, easily, but it seems like some of you guys do. And I'm wondering why do you think it's that we actually way have a for lot New of Zealand? I just want to say we have a lot of activity in those regions yeah. for the show, by the way. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, why do I think that is? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like 
the more authoritarian a country is, the more financially yeah. oppressed you are, the more likely, uh, sorry, likely you are to sort of search for alternatives. Sure. Could be that. I mean, that's it's why the, you see high adoption what, rates in like Nigeria and, you know, yeah. like those random places, right? What's the, um, I mean, I guess in my mind, the, you did say that it's a thought, a thought more authoritarian, authoritarian. Um, but it seems like there's, it's relatively stable, uh, society, the money I assume is relatively stable. I'm sure you have high import costs, but, uh, so what is the money like? It's like, were you constantly worried about inflation or just purchasing power in Australia mm-hmm. or New Zealand? Not really. It's not that hmm. big of a, of a yeah. thing. I don't think, um, I guess it depends on like where you are specifically, like if you're in a big city or sure. smaller town. Uh, but I was in the the lower half of the South Island and, you know, that was pretty good. I guess it's just like gas, things like that. Sure. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. It's like $2.20 a liter. And I oh, think wow. it's like three or four liters per gallon. So it's like paying, you know, seven oh, or eight wow. bucks. And that's before 2020. So that's tough. What uh can I can I just say that one thing this made me think of this previous uh mentioning is that it made me think that the tyranny of your government, the more tyrannous your government is, the more your population will be into Bitcoin. Is that the case? I mean, the you could say that. I don't want to be that actually guy that goes correlation is not causation, but um, it just would make me think about this heat map that I was mentioning. Like we can see sort of where our listeners are, which makes me. Oh, think, yeah. OK, we can oh, see where the, cool. we can see where the Bitcoiners are. I mean, yeah. who else is listening to this fucking high Bitcoin show, you know, is, is other than right. fucking Bit- Bitcoiners. Right. So if we can see those people uh, where they are, does that mean. I'm thinking like, is there a correlation between that heat map and no, I'm sure. How would you quantify like the how tyrannous you your guns? government is? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good by, question. like who can own guns and do that as a density on a map and then overlay it with where your listeners are and it'll be like the inverse. Yeah, right. Um anyway. so you don't still live uh in New Zealand, Australia over there, right? You are United States, is that correct? Yeah. And when did you, when and why did you move to the United States? Um, and I, last I talked to you, I think you were kind of somewhere, well, it's not like you were in Southern California or Florida, you were kind of in the Midwest. So what, yeah. what made you move of all places to the American Midwest? Um, people. It's, yeah. It's always the, the main reason, I guess. That's a good reason. How long? (laughs) How do you like it? Has it been a culture shock? Uh, No, it's actually kind of similar to, uh, in the sense that it's like, you know, very friendly people. However, the cold is like insane. It's rough. Yeah, it takes a while to get used to that. And, oh, oh, go ahead, Mike. I did have a question that totally, uh, you know, takes us off track, but it has a burning question (laughs) of mine. Sure. Uh, but Dan, do you want do you want to go somewhere with something? No, go ahead. Or, okay, because um, you, you mentioned you had a pol- police officer PI father. Yeah, yeah. I was curious how that um, affected your vision of truth and and where where you are now with the concept of truth. Okay, 
That's a your your take, Ben. <laughs> Over to you. Um, no, it's a good question. Um, I guess initially, you're kind of learning a little bit about the legal system and and stuff like that, right? Um, and then you kind of learn. I guess morality doesn't necessarily equate to you know if it's legal or not. And so, I don't know. It's just, especially with the the different background and like with my mum's sort of perspective and that culture's sort of perspective, um, in terms of like you look at the loss of land, the loss of like cultural values. Um, you look at like the averages in regards to like you know social economic values per sort of culture and stuff like that like it's a rough deal colonialism make no you know two ways about it i guess but um so that in conjunction with like how you perceive the law it's like i guess it leads you to ask whose law do you know what i mean and so then it takes you down the path of like is democracy good you know is like politicians (laughs) being in charge like necessarily a good thing when you think about like the value set that the average politician likely has, which is, you know, whoever pays the most. Right. So it's, in in my opinion, it's tough in the United States. uh, And I think it's getting tougher. And I think people are realizing it, right? Is that like, you're very different if you live in uh, Kansas versus Washington, DC or or California. And it's, you know, we all share, uh, you know, the United States is a melting pot, but it's a dominantly white country so like we all share the same for the you know skin color um and we all we all we all have like the same heritage background cultural kind of uniformity but that kind of a kind of blinds or obfuscates the fact that the cultures are very different in different parts of the country especially from washington and it's not as obvious to us but like to you right like you've got like the colonial politicians the seat of power and it's kind of more visceral and in your face how the injustice system can essentially it it benefits the powerful the elite the people with the most money and if you're you know they want to suppress your cultural values your culture your heritage and kind of force their dominant way on you they do that to everyone you know what i mean like right that's with the more obvious to you amazing rituals like wearing the mask you know they know that it doesn't work they they knew that data years before that but it's just like dehumanizing it's just like yeah and do you think that it is um and this is what i I, we ask this to a lot of people because I think you can come to like from different uh, perspectives to the same conc- and you end up with the same outcome. But yeah. do you think that it was like a, a conscious, what people kind of would consider a conspiracy, like conspiring to do that to us? Or do you think it's just the incentives are so, so perverted that it's a bunch of people. It's almost like a, instead of a, a strategy board game, you're using an Uno or a Ouija board and you don't know who's really moving the Ouija board. That's kind of the point of the game, right? But everybody's kind of acting in their own incentive structure and their own self-interest. And it kind of glides along the way based on that natural alignment. So do you think it was conspiracy or just incentives of a, of a wider system? Well, excuse me. What's the kind of like difference between incentives and conspiracy in the sense that uh, a conspiracy is just like two people with shared incentives you know they're conspiring like sure. they're working together like to ultimately achieve you know right. 
sure it means and needs so yeah <laughs> it's just like any two more is like you know that group is conspiring to i don't know i guess that's, that, no that's a good uh spin on it because it's like i just see some people who believe like they're you know they're having these office meetings and like this is what we're going to do and i think to be- <laughs> i think to believe that is to is a little almost dangerous not because it, it's not trueness or the what they're the outcomes is not going to be the same but it's like you got to be more attuned to like what is going on in your community and in your country to try to like identify why it's probably going to go in that direction based on these incentives. And so you're like, you're not worried if we just take out the guy from the WEF, it'll be fine. It's like, no, man, it's like, that's just the head of the snake. The, the, the body's still moving, the rhythm's still going. It's like the society's still moving that direction. Yeah. That's an interesting thought to like, think what would happen you know if certain organizations like cease but then at the same time um the only thing that's ultimately gonna win is like the thing that is the best incentives for the largest group of people regardless of if you have monopolies or not like there's always going to (laughs) be um some sort of trade-off there why do so few people believe that you know what i'm saying it's scary. It's yeah. e- or it's, some people like a, a bad, a big bad person is scary, but to some people, the big bad person has to be there because it's like, if it's everywhere, if it's not just that single thing yeah, I yeah. can point to, right? Like if the evil's everywhere, then it's it's just scarier to live in that type of world, I guess. Yeah, you know, the evil, but the that, evil. It's that way either way. It's true, right? But it's like people are just coping. Yeah, it's just their way of the, coping. The evil is located at the money level. This is the, follow, that's why they say follow the money. That's, right? like it doesn't matter what people say. That, it's follow the money. Man. Yeah, it's so fucking hard to hear. You know how you hear so some hard. of those expressions where it's like a short sentence. It's just like you know, follow the money is such a short expression, but like so present where it's like I don't know. It's just like the most value per words. <laughs> follow mm-hmm. the money. If this is like one of those situations where it's you get back to like religious, um, like the Bible stories. Like I like I think we've talked about on this show before. Like I don't really look at the Bible as this literal account of history. It's like a, these stories that are kind of past that kind of are subconsciously telling you something. And like the the fact Bunch that of fucking memes, yeah, like the fact that Judas like sold out Jesus for you know a bag <laughs> of silver. It's like yeah, that's just like a that's just to let you know that the money the incentives, the people closest to you will turn you in for a price, for for a price, you know what I mean? So you always got to remember that. doesn't mean you don't love and trust your family, but you just got to keep that in mind. Everybody will turn on you if it, if if it incentives align. Yeah. But, um, such as the power of, uh, like folklore and mythology, like they teach you the morals, right? A hundred percent. Uh, and you can understand them whether you're, you know, you understand them differently depending on where you're at in life, whether you're a small child or a, an old, you know, professor, whatever, um, it, that, that story is going to have a different message that it's kind of conveying. But, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is to talk about, um, anarcho-capitalism and volunteerism. And it seems that, uh, you're pretty outspoken about your, um, about your political system or your political beliefs. And I'm just wondering, because it's 
shared by most of the Bitcoin community, at least what I see on Twitter, right? So I just wanted to talk to people about what that means to them and how they view it. So if I I to, can you explain anarcho-capitalism? Perfect. Let's start there from, from your perspective. <laughs> sure. Ben. So anarcho just means like no ruler. It doesn't necessarily mean no rules. And then capitalism is just free market. Free and market, no rules. Just like, yeah. Like a free market can, with as no long rules. as it's like rulers, voluntarily. Sorry, no rulers. Got it. Yeah. So rules, but no rulers. Um, and then but, it's it's like a, but the fact is, it's, it's a free market with no with no rulers. Yeah, that's the whole anarcho-capitalism. Okay, got yeah. it. Okay. capitalism. Yeah, right. And so, just for uh, there's different many different flavors of anarchism or anarcho-libertarianism. You know, you can Google them. There's tons. There's even yeah. like left wing, allegedly like Marxist uh, anarchists. <laughs> so yeah. it's. I don't know how all those work specifically, but I'm slightly familiar, much more familiar with anarcho-capitalism. And I think in a lot of ways... Seems, seems like less mental gymnastics. It does. Do. It's way less yeah. yeah, right. So, um, and that is, is that often coupled with, or uh, is it standard that anarcho-capitalism and voluntarist kind of is a perfect match or supplemental ideology? I, yeah. Let's pull up the absolute de definition here so we can be speaking in certain uh, certainties. Um, so voluntarism is just the principle or system of doing something by or relying on voluntary action or volunteers. Um, it's hard to argue with. It's really hard basis to argue. It's like, oh, you don't want to come to work? Gun. Okay, that probably shouldn't happen. You know what I mean? It has to voluntarily happen right. that you want to do something in your best interest um really hard to argue against that one but you actually find people doing it so yeah um and then anarcho-capitalism just advocate for uh private ownership of the means of production and allocation of their labor or the product of their labor sorry by workers within the context of so there is themes of that in certain western democracies where they elect you know they it's in the con some some of that stuff's in the constitution not all of it not completely uh absolutely either but what do you what do you do, what do you think is the ultimate long-term reason that over time these you know governments societies whatever you want to call them kind of, I, I wouldn't say they just all tend towards authoritarianism. I'd say it's more of a, like a cycle or a, an ebb and flow. And there's like periods of less authoritarianism and periods of more authoritarianism. Why do you think it, that society kind of tends to that, into those trends and those directions, those long-term directions? Cause I, cause if I hear and I've read, I know these, what these, uh, philosophies are and these definitions but if i read voluntarism for example like there's no it's it's not really up for debate like most people would agree that that is the way you should live especially you know in the midwest for example of the united states so why do you think it doesn't seem to work out in the long term or in like a, a country's long term it'll like start maybe more free and then it tends towards authoritarianism 
yeah i think that sort of latter explanation is correct in the sense that it starts out as some sort of it's it's cyclical in nature that's why you see stuff like the fourth turning where it's yes. like also that expression uh, you know hard men make good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times hard times create strong men again um and so there, there is a cyclical nature to that in the sense of like technological evolution too and so if you read stuff i know every bitcoin says it but like the sovereign individual where they talk about how technology changes the relationship and strength of the individual over time versus the collective um so you had they had examples like armor and stuff and how that changed everything um so yeah there's like a few different cycles that seem to coincide with with one another and i don't know um i think that's why you always end towards that it's like a pyramid of like further centralization of governance it's just like starts off as people being like okay we have just had the um boston tea party we're not paying taxes to these people we're not like giving up our guns um but then then also like they set up some sort of you know governmental constitution and stuff like that and so through those means people are just going further and further down a system that inevitably um like sort of ends to award uh like legal plunder in some sort of fashion right okay so i, I like that you brought up the fourth turning because it feels like we are coming up on a fourth turning right does that would you agree that it just the vibes are off. Like you said, something, something you can't put your finger on it, but something's just not right. And then yeah. if you, if you read about the fourth turning, right, it's, uh, it feels like we're reaching that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you see banks that need to get bailed out because the risk-free asset, the treasury bills have gone bad. I don't know. That's for like some fourth turning vibes there. For sure. And also like, the whole zero reserve requirement for the banks in the first place like <laughs> right so they, even beyond banks it's like you've got what people call like the culture war and it's not just the united states it's pretty much everywhere especially in the west the culture war which is maybe better described as like a cultural revolution of some sort and it's just everybody's at each other's throats about everything uh yeah and it's kind of a generational race, values based sex, thing race everything gender, like so it's like a huge cultural yeah. war everybody's fighting it's like everything's building up in the system and it's like something's got to blow off here soon um i think i think that may, is, is a pretty good explanation for how some of these authoritarian and versus not kind of trend it's almost like you've got a generation who shares a lot of values and they kind of come to this consensus, whether it's at the community level or the nation state. And then well, as, internationally as well. Yeah, yeah. And the, as the generation ages and the new generation comes behind it, there's new technology, all this uh, rapid change, rapid transfer of power and towards uh, wealth, the individual. Right? And yeah, it's, which and is it, the decentralizing component of what should kind of counteracts the overarching right. centralization through like the regulatory mode, et cetera. And it's, yeah, so you've got all this change and the people start to freak out. They start to get scared. So they start to uh, have anxieties and they start to kind of lean on 
these apparatuses to tighten down and to make things safe again for them. So they're, you know, giving up freedoms. So yeah. They it's can an illusion feel safer. Yeah. 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 It's for your safety. Yeah. It's a classic line, isn't but it? People, it's yeah. Always... But people sign up for it. Like, like they, the line is sold out. People are ready to buy it they're, yeah. for my safety, whatever you tell me. It's just like the, the bad guy on the screen. It's, it's like, right, I, I see the answer it's right in front of me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It is though. It's always some sort of like for your safety, even though ignore this right here. Um, we're just going to centralize some power further so through some like, you know, legal grabs of like money or whatever we want. Slowly yeah. but sure. Consolidate. Um, yeah. And, and then like you watch Biden and he's putting through <laughs> like bills that he sort of like started and was formally against, yeah. which, you know, by no means you can't change your mind, but they're pretty strong opposites. And he's just like doing it to appeal to certain like voters, et cetera. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of, that's the, the, the bad side. And then you see him stumbling everywhere and, you know, Kamala giggling somewhere. And, and then like the, <laughs> you know, treasury, you know, Janet Yellen saying the opposite thing to Powell, and so it's just like all of these like weird inversions. It's just like you don't even have like a stable thing that you can be like, that's they. Do you know what I mean? It's not right, like exactly. Like, yeah. And so that's why I kind of like um, Tom Luongo, his like thesis a bit where it's like these parties that are all conspiring um, against one yeah. another to sort of like take the throne as if it was some sort of, um, what was that series? Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like there's all these different parties trying to fight for like the crown. Right. And it's so I think Svetsky, it was at like a one of those Bitcoin days in Kansas City a couple of years ago. And mm -hmm. somebody asked, he was talking on stage about like who is they? Because he kept saying they. And yeah. I think I rose my hand. I was like, I think they is when you break it down, they is us, right? Like you it, you mm -hmm. look around you and it's like your impulse to your you have some of these impulses that the normies have and like you're like no this is bullshit this is i'm i'm doing continue to do what i know is right but you you have those impulses so you can like empathize with like i i i get why if i was weak and and weak-willed and just an idiot like why i would accept that as like that's that's gonna be that story on my tv that's the truth that's everything's gonna be all right and i just have to comply with this and uh, do what they say and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to live. I'm going to keep my money, etc. So you like, you understand the impulse, right? So it's like, they as us, it's if, if you feel like your community is weak, it's not, uh, there's not strong family ties. There's not strong community ties. People aren't on the right path. People aren't, uh, they don't have the right incentives. They're not working hard. Everybody's just kind of waiting for this whole thing to blow up. Then, mm -hmm. then you, you worry that, they you know it's the people around you it's that impulse to let this insanity that's taking place continue to take place because it's partially you know we're partially individually we're weak to stop it but as a society we tolerate it apparently because we don't change it yeah i guess uh you know death by a thousand cuts right um gradually then suddenly like there's all these funny like allegories that we use to sort of explain the same concepts right exactly yeah um but yeah that can also explain like the centralization of power and stuff as well equally um through better technology they slowly but surely increase their ability to manage a tax farm 
you know, ironically through things like the specialization in division of labor, but it's just for bad incentives. Um, and so, I, yeah, I don't, I, that's almost why I, I think the idea that the government really wants to completely kill either Bitcoin or, or even all the, all the crypto shit is because it's just another technology that they can use to seize from people for whatever reason. It's like, oh, you used the wrong protocol and this thing went through a mixer. You're must, you know, taking it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You did this, your stuff's on Coinbase. We're freezing the accounts. We're taking it. It's just stuff they can take. It's just more stuff they can take. Why would they? I don't think they want to completely kill it. So it's like shit coins are so easy to hack. The government's probably hacking DAOs like <laughs> yeah, crazy yeah. and just taking people's money. Like Dude, yeah, that makes well, me think of like, that, that makes me think of like Sherwood 2.0, like Robin Hood's forest sort of shit where like dudes are coming around asking, asking for like their gold little coins from, uh, yeah. from all the peasants. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's like, um, What's that sheriff in Robin Hood? Do you remember like the cartoon version? Oh, the the big wolf the, shepherd. Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sheriff. You remember him? Uh, the sheriff of Nottingham mm. or whatever. Yeah. And it was like going around and like squeezing all the animals, getting the coins out of the cast on their yeah, legs. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and then it's like, isn't that like a, a funny like segue into the sense that that's later being depicted as like stealing from the rich to give to the poor even mm -hmm. though it was like stealing from the person imposing like involuntary contracts and giving back to people do you know what i mean like it's such a different perception um <laughs> what it historically was it's a it's also like just a kind of a reminder at the end of the day that uh, the strong and the most willing to flex is always the one that you know wins right like it's the united states mm -hmm has that we're going to spread democracy now we were going out to make people do what we want them to do so we can make more money off of it uh or it's like the bully at the playground just shaking kids down yeah. for their milk money right like it's that's the way it is and it's the government. Mentality. Yeah. so you always like so it's people just basically power it's, it's, to it, uh exploit or to extort people it's like the power to centralize time to yourself like suck it up like a resource you take know? everybody else's time and money it's amazing to think about it like that like like the milkshake theory i guess or something this is what i'm thinking <laughs> i've never thought about that theory as like a physical <laughs> literal I, example. that's how i think about this like mikey you, you talk about like time right like time and buying time. time well the the generation of the elites are, you know, the people running shit the past few decades, they put us $30 trillion into debt. They sucked the boom. <laughs> these boomer assholes sucked all the time out of the future and gave it to themselves. They took it from, they mortgaged it from us. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And so the, and the ones that survive have to have obviously something else to hold on to. Have you seen uh, the amount of children, like younger generations, are having as well because of like that financial aspect? Yeah, Japan is like the having. Yeah. The, it's very old population that can't support the yeah. aging population. So it's like a, a higher older population. Oh, it has to support the, debt, the younger generation younger has to support the older generation. To, yeah, to yeah. be able to pay for that, and so it's like already leads to less kids. Is the US going to have something like that as well, though? Oh yeah, it's it's happening. I mean, not to the a really bad extent, but it's it's it should be better. It's not yeah. as bad as like uh, Japan and uh, there's places like Germany, I think, or some places in Europe. Russia's terrible as well. But it's like uh, if you create 
how, how bad can shitty how, conditions people can't afford to have kids they don't it's right. too yeah, too much stress absolutely. on this they're 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 working too hard just to support the aging generation that they can't take and then one behind them i just have a question about this like how bad can an, a contraction of a population get and what go, would that what does that go, look like no, it can go completely extinct in a matter of generations how, how does it go to extinct complete i guess the I guess birth rates they just dry and people more die. That's right. Than, you drop and, the, and it gets, many people you are... get to a terminal rate and people are just dying and, and people are too old. And it's, 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 oh, you can't come like China can't come back according to Zehan, Peter Zehan <laughs> and other analysts, like the, the demographic collapse in China is so bad that within a hundred years, they will be terminally accelerating to like less than the United States in population, like on, in a trend. I don't know if I take Zihan's word. Um, yeah, well, I don't either, but it's 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 not just him saying that. Like because they've because their one child policy and the way they've killed the uh, the Uyghurs and the Uyghurs and they yeah. don't let them they don't let them have offspring. Um, they're they're they crush their population. Like their aging population is just massive. There's nothing to support it, and it's going to keep getting worse. Do you That's feel what, like this? Sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't just say like that's that. So if you want to know, like that could be happening. It may not be, but Russia's also apparently in that situation. Does this Is does this happen bad? over and over in civilizations throughout time? This sort of trend of uh, you go from like a nothing point and you govern you, you basically governize yourself until destruction to that you know point of nakedness again, where everyone is sort of equal yeah it's that good times hard times strong men, right weak that, you're right yeah that's right. nature yeah it's um it happens some civilizations or whatever cultures they are stronger and they grow but then they have periods of contraction as well but it's it i think it also works with ideas and with civilizations that it does with like uh uh living organisms right it's like adaptability um survival of the fittest strongest things like that i think there's an element of that to ideas as well yeah i always think it's funny as well when people misinterpret strongest in that regard and they think it's just like about getting really jacked <laughs> it's right. like no you have to do like the the mental proof of work as well right because uh, that's not going to get you all that far well, you know, being the strongest brute, like the biggest yeah, yeah. caveman, that was really beneficial like, in a few thousand years ago. But now you, you know, when they come to shake you down with your lunch money, you just encrypt it with your private key and they can't get it. Fuck them. Yeah. And you're probably walking around like strapped as well. So it's kind of like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that, in a sense, that idea seems well equipped to survive at least the, uh, the near future well that uh, and um like all of the other tools too like nostr so now you can send whatever message um like 3d printing um you know like all of these it's, it's again ties back to that like sovereign individual thing of like better technology more decentralizing for the individual strong individuals you know better collective effort to start heading back in towards that realm of i guess the central sort of authority or you know, away from the rules. Oh, sorry, away from the rulers and back to like that rules. I kind of see those as like binary um, in terms of like good rules versus rulers. Um, 
Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you see, uh, politics, not just like in the United States, but just like in a kind of a global trend, like, how do you see those changing? Do you think that we're still kind of going towards further, like more global centralization and authoritarianism, or do you think that that's peaked and that we're kind of trending back in a different direction? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think we had peak centralization in the sense that you see Russia and, and China and India and, you know, Saudi just joining them in that brick system. I think Mexico right. did. Too. So there's definitely like a bifurcation of like the USD hegemony um, and, and control and influence. And then we also see, you know, smaller countries working with China and the Balkan Road Initiative and like a few things like that. Um, so I think that was like peak centralization is when the U S was just like totally dominant. Um, and that may be American or Western exceptionalism, ah, a sick exceptionalism (laughs) struggle with that word. Um, but yeah, perhaps that's a bias point of view, but I think it was peak centralization because, the whole like build back better, um, try move everyone to a central bank digital currency, like that's just untenable in the face of like, you know, it's the... bad timing to try to bring something to market, right? It's like <laughs> you just got all your expensive miners, and it's like October two thousand twenty two, and the price is about to dive, and you're like gonna worst timing ever to to start mining for your new company going bankrupt. It's like they're unreal unveiling some of these new policies and things like CBDCs and trials for that, like at the least at the time where people least want to like deal with their shit. Yeah. Um, and so well, it's, it's, I, like, yeah. it's like coming off the end of like a system where like the wheels seem to be falling off. Do you know what I mean? And so like trust in those particular authorities is that like right. all time low. Um, everyone's expecting like a depression. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's a right. bad time to be like, hey, we've got this new system. It's more evas- and like invasive. It's more, you know. Right. It's more annoying. It's just yeah. the, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like the. Uh, but it's for your safety. For your safety, of course. But it, and, and, the, and the other thing is people see this one system falling apart and they're, they lose trust in institutions, right? I think that is the, one of the hallmarks of that fourth wall or fourth turning thing to bring up again is uh, is the crumbling in the legitimacy of institutions and i think that that's what we're seeing because we've everything we talked about right like nobody respects anything the president of either parties and honestly or of any politician of, at this point of anything they say nobody thinks the united states serious nobody takes the central banker the most powerful man in the world arguably seriously they think he's full of shit and part of the institutions that are people are losing faith in uh is money itself which is one of the the cornerstone institution of how we behave and it's they're trying to prop up this crumbling infrastructure and this crumbling idea because that's what it is in a basic sense and it's who is positioned to replace it who is positioned to look the shiniest and the and the safest when uh the the marbles crumbling on wall street right like when people are like what i want something to make me feel safe i'll do anything it's like what's who's going to be there to uh attract them is it going to be the 
authoritarian or the freedom? Yeah. yeah, that's that's a great question. And it comes down to like, again, when you were saying in the fourth 20, how there's like that avenue off of loss of confidence. Um, the same happens in the Austrian business cycle theory infographic, where it talks about like the increase of money supply, the bust that shouldn't have happened because it's using money, expropriating wealth from others, giving false price signals. You go down into like the, the inevitable bust, right? Um, and then they open the floodgates and lower the interest rates again. And it's like there's only so many times you can do that in the sense that we now have like a high level of inflation, like everyone, even in the US is feeling the heat. Um, and that's because they pumped the system with trillions of dollars. Uh, they said they were going to keep the interest rates low for a long time and then did one of the fastest hikes ever um, to catch everyone with their freaking pants down. And, and so like it's a very poor time to be trying to introduce something like that, um, which requires some sort of like trust, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's why you see uh, Lagarde calling it the escape hatch. And that's why you see you know, Augustans from the BIS saying like, it's absolute control. Like they don't realize in the digital age that that information not only is like disseminated by millions of people and stored in all of these different unique ways, but like when it comes to, when push comes to shove, like you've already shot yourselves in the foot like a hundred times. Like you already in your own words are saying how bad it is and then flopping and being like, oh, it's good now. Like it's just, They've already shot themselves. How long do you think they'll be able to carry on this charade? Uh, that's a good question, though. How long do you think until people start finding ways to, you know, sly roundabout ways to interact without them? Yeah, and I, th I think that it's it's getting to a point where, it you know, it could well be several years, maybe a decade or more. Uh, but I think that you're just going to have some sort of catalyst, some sort of spark that is just going to catch fire and it's just going to, it's just going to go boom. It's not, you know, it'll trend lower, but something eventually is just going to trip a wire and it's just going to unravel and, un and unwind. I just don't know when that is, but I think that happens yeah. when, uh, there's starting to be some serious oil trade in Bitcoin. Sure. When countries, when they lose right. faith. Can you, can you talk me through what you just meant, what you mean by that? So like the petrodollar, right? It's like yeah. one of the biggest things is being able to control the world's oil. Um, one of the biggest volumes of like trade. And so think about that being settled in Bitcoin though. And then because like countries, they don't want to have to trust each other or the currency of that country because centralized third parties are security holes. So it's like, what is the one thing I don't have to, kind of trust once it has different volumes and you have an entry position i guess like that's when it would warrant um starting to settle into it which i wouldn't be surprised in the face of like do i choose between the usd <laughs> do i choose between china do i choose between russia when i look at all of their debt um so like if i was a smaller country then yeah it would be way more feasible yeah and it's not just as bad as the central, you know, the the control, the uh, centralized centralized parties, as bad as those are, you know, the way our money works is that your money is somebody else's debt, it's somebody else's liability, like you kind of mentioned. So it's they can just shut it off. That's true. But even if they are benevolent, even if it's an ally of yours, like the United States is an ally, and you don't, you're not really worried about them shutting your money off like they do to Russia. 
yeah. if if American bankers who don't give a shit about you, you're they don't give a shit about people in the United States, much less an ally. If if they fuck up and everything falls apart and the money just you know goes to shit, like it, all these bankruptcies occur, your money's gone, or they'll just print it and it loses all its value. So it's not just the that they can turn it off on you. It's that it might just disappear when everybody's trying to get along. And yeah. it's, it's all a counterparty risk. And it's like, you know, you look at the United States and we do that, but if you look at China, they're paying, they have inflation and, and monetary policy that's worse than ours. And they're much more authoritative. Like they shut people's, you can't withdraw your money out of the country if they decide that you can't. And like, so are people going to long-term stick with the yuan for global trade instead of the dollar? Yeah. Why, why, um, why in my probably mind not. China feels so powerful at the moment? Why they just have that? a lot of people. But based on what you're saying, it, it's sort of the opposite take on that. Like they have... Uh, they have a lot of influence because they have a lot of... Per- they, they buy. Like if you want to have... To be a billionaire, that's why they all billionaires all suck up to China. Like you have your enterprises and your business and your financial systems are going through China. They have so much demand... Uh, and they export so much it's just so much economic demand that you you know you can't uh if you're a small business little store and walmart opens up next to you uh it doesn't matter how like shitty walmart is to people they're going to put you out of business right but uh the one question i had is that we talk about we're kind of leading up to this point and then boom we've got some sort of turning or we've got some sort of change and maybe that'll happen. Maybe it doesn't, but what, how as an anarcho capitalist, like is, is like a real anarcho capitalist society kind of like hyper Bitcoinization in your mind. It's like a, I don't know what that really is ever going to truly exist in my world or my time, but I'm always trying to build towards it. And that, you know, yeah, that's the better framing where it's like it's not going to be a specific label for an entirety of that population in that jurisdiction. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because right. even in um, different communities and little sections, or maybe there like different rules for that area, like we have in the states. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all these different natural emergent sort of ways of governance that people kind of do. Um, but I think that's also if you take it down um, a level, it's the same at community level as well. And, yeah. In terms of like they will have a different way of interacting with one another based on like societal and cultural norms too. Um so like if you're gonna say like what does it look like in your view, um, it would just be like, you know, voluntarily interacting with one another. Um, you know, you have a, a set of rules, probably for some sort of jurisdiction that you know, you, you decide to join um, either that or if you have enough money to sort of have your own sort of jurisdiction, if, if right. that's how much of a Bitcoiner you are, then like... A citadel. Yeah, he who who owns the gold wrote the rules similarly. Um, so like I think it will be like you'll be able to influence that a lot, whether that remains through the current like legal structure. I don't know because like every time there's some sort of... Um, fourth turning or revolution it's like the 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 first thing is drafting up new law and new rules of like interacting with one another um in some way sense yeah. of form uh so it's like that would that would be what it looked like and so if you're drafting up new rules 
um, for like, you know, smaller jurisdictions, I'd imagine because it takes a lot of resources to manage larger populations and it'll be much harder. Um, and, and it's also saying like manage as if like you own them where that's not the case, but you own a lot of the land that people would be using. That's like a different, so perhaps poor choice of, of words initially. Um, but there, like he who owns that writes the rules people voluntarily come and join and decide that they want to participate and interact with that or not. Like it's pretty simple. So <clears throat> I really like that, uh, that answer. So if I had to, uh, kind of answer the same question, I was the way I think about it. And I've been thinking about this kind of before the show as well is how do I describe myself politically? And I don't know because it's like, there's some, aspects where I'm conservative, more conservative than people. There's some aspects where I'm more, uh, I guess, liberal about something. Right. And it's like, yeah, libertarian sounds good sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't fit. And so I don't know. And I also have this way of thinking is like, what I think is not, there's so many different perspectives and so much going on, so much interaction. Like I can't change it all. Uh, and it's, you know, so I guess, but I hope, right, is is I, I really like the voluntarist, the, even the anarcho-capitalist viewpoint from the extent that I would just try to live my life by these values that I hold. And I would try to instill that in my family uh, and, and find people around me who live that way. And the more people you find and in the, in the more community you build and the more work you put, like proof of work you put in, right, the the stronger that little seed's going to grow and it'll start to influence more and more of you know a geographic area of a political mainstream uh but if you if you're not doing that if you're not doing the work or you know at the base who you are in in your life and how your values how you live by your values like it's never going to happen any further out from you uh in your relationships your family whatever so and I think if more people thought of that and did that instead of thinking, I'm going to change, I'm going to make everybody go by the same rules that make me feel comfortable and then make me be happy. And I'm going to focus all my attention on the yeah. president and the governor. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing individually? Because if you're not doing anything individually, you're just LARPing. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. It, it makes me think uh, these citadels that we're talking about, they're, they're not like homes. the concept, right? They're I think they're gonna they're not gonna be homes of people. No, they're gonna be they're, they're gonna be cities and jurisdictions. Communities, as you, yeah, as you city said, states. Communities, like, yeah. yeah, for sure. Wow. That's that's like a Star Wars world. You know what I'm saying? Kind of. It's Isn't just it a great in Star Wars where they're like um Obi-Wan's like, no, those tokens are worthless. And he's talking about like the Imperial <laughs> tokens. Yeah. Wait, is yeah. there like, a moment like this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But you know, I think the I think this like the thing Citadel hyper that kind of stuff is I think the allegories and folklore of the past that are trying to tell you something are no different than the ones in the future in the sense that mm-hmm. the citadels and such, they're not in the future. You can build them now. Mm-hmm. Start doing yeah. that now if you because that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. Create it. My um my sort that. of interpretation of like where it'll go in that regard is like, you know, New Zealand Maori used to be tribal and kind of roam around a lot. You know, even though they had like a mountain and a, a lake and, and sea that they belonged to in certain areas more so than others, um, they were kind of like nomadic. And I think that people will hit this like 
purchasing power where it's like perhaps it would be like you know a smarter idea to be traveling with similar like-minded people to jurisdictions in and out that sound like a better you know set of security assurances there right like we are kind of reaching this point where we're connected globally mm. and the people who share our values and just think like us our tribe so to speak like doesn't they're not necessarily in the same zip code and they might be across the world but now we could transact we can uh exchange information mm. we can you know we can do all that stuff and, and nobody can shut it down you look, yeah yeah you look at the heat map like that's what we're doing with our ideas right now the heat map of the world is like we're sharing our ideas with everybody and they're listening and they're taking what they agree with and they're sharing it in their community that's a um talking shit about us point that um valos taught me recently as well was like you know take what you can and don't spend time wasting trying to like say something about someone's identity whether like you're saying like you know this person's controlled opposition or this person's a snake or this it's just like no just listen to certain messages um and try and see like what the overton window is and then kind of work your way um between those two to form some sort of like worldview rather than trying to spend all of this time researching this person's history and this person's history to the extent where it's like you don't need to name and label everyone you know the general like rules of the game try to learn as right. much as you can, rather than blame as much as you can essentially right hell yeah so ben yeah what uh i guess we'll give you the chance to like shill what you're working on and um tell us like what you're excited for with your new your new gig and what how you guys can help people bitcoiners like what's the what's the what's the action <laughs> sure um, so check out the Amber app, um, a great place to buy Bitcoin and also get help setting up nodes and, and miners and hardware wallets if that's something that you want help with. Um, apart from that, you'll see me shit posting on Twitter, writing the occasional piece of content and um, helping out, helping a Bitcoin company, helping orange pill people. That's about it. Is uh, is Amber app hiring? You guys looking for any more uh ship posters engineers markers <laughs> no we're not looking for any more ship posters at this time um but probably will be in the near future well <laughs> keep looking because people i see them on twitter i see them all over they're like how do i get a bitcoin job and they'll they'll be looking around for months but they'll fucking get one they'll finally yeah, get one. Yeah. they just they just keep making connections keep getting better uh keep putting positive content out there and saving people from scammers and just building yeah. Oh yeah. That's what you're doing. That's what we're trying to do. Michael's Mike's juggling a bunch of babies, but once they get older and start sleeping, he'll start putting out more more content. But yeah, Love to hear cool, it. Just doing and, proof of work. And where can people find you? Um, New Zealand Huddle on Twitter. Hell yeah! All right, man. Cool, man. I'll Thanks for it. coming on. Thanks for having me, man. It was awesome. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at high hash rate or you can hit up dan at heartland bitcoin h-r-t-l-n-d bitcoin or myself mike at run dance bitcoin that's all one word run dance bitcoin if you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high bitcoiners reach out to us